Well, happy Sunday, my friends. I invite you to stand with me, stand. We're gonna do something a little different. I invite you to look to your neighbor beside you or behind you and welcome them to church this morning. And for those of you that are joining us online, we're so glad that you're here and we'd love for you to introduce yourselves. Let us know where you're tuning in from in the comment section. Oh, oh, oh. 
this bag of bones I try with all of my mind but I just can't win the fight I'm slowly drifting a bag of Welcome this morning to First Presbyterian Church. Those of you who are here online connecting that way, those of you who are here in the room connecting that way, what a great thing to be able to do this. And this is how we say it at First Pres. We're on a mission, and the mission is real relationships, real transformation. We connect with each other, and we connect with God, and we do it with authenticity, and we do it with vulnerability. And the next thing you know, we change. 
from the inside out because God takes up residence in us as a family and individually and everything in between. What a great mission beyond. We're going to do that for the next few minutes in here. And I, so enjoy it. You might want to just think about joining us permanently as being a part of this fantastic mission here in this city. So I'm your, sort of your host this morning. A few things I want you to know about. The first thing is this. We really do want to connect with you. So we have a thing called a Connect Card. They're physically here inside and out. They're over here. They're back there. They're outside. You can do it online. You can do this QR code. This is a way for us to do what? Connect. We'll help you figure out how you can engage in things here at the church. It just make, it makes it easier for us all to get to know each other. So if you'd like to get, connect with us, we'd love to know. Secondly, I want to make sure the men are listening carefully because we're having a conference in, in October for your women. It's called Real, October 6th, Thursday night. And men, look at me, eye contact. You are a gigantic worm if you don't make every effort to get your woman there. You know what I'm saying? So you don't tell me you can't babysit. Don't tell me you can't take care of your dinner. Don't give me any of that. She needs to be there. So for the women in the room who have a man, men, listen to me. Women, I'm backing you up here. This is a transformational kind of thing. It's real. It's for women to enjoy each other. And we have an acronym for it. It's relationships. It's encouragement. It's authenticity, it's laughter. That spells real. That's what's going to happen on Thursday night, the 6th of October, a great evening. And so I want you men to make sure that she gets to go. How's that? And here maybe my favorite announcement of the morning is right after this worship service, for 10 minutes, I promise you, maybe 11, we need to have a congregational meeting. And it's vital that we have it. You ready? You want to know why? Because we have to approve a pay raise for me. <laughs> what's... We're going to do another piece. We're going to do this is Presbyterianism, and it's the congregation has to take action on the terms of call of the pastor every year. You can say no, ditch him. You can say cut his pay in half. But we're going to ask you to give me a five percent raise. And in fact, I've been getting it all year anyway. <laughs> but so that's one thing. <laughs> you can vote to have it removed. So the other thing we're going to do is we're going to, uh, we're, this is a little confusing. We're going to elect a team of people to go and pick the new leaders for next year and the following two. We're electing elder nominating committee people, nominating committee. We're not electing elders. We're electing the people who are going to nominate elders. So that's what's going on. It'll take about 10 minutes to do it. And I appreciate it when worship is over. If you just stay, the folks who are worshiping at 11 have been invited to come early. <sighs> How's that? Let me pray. I'm going to say some names of some people who are in need, in need, and you don't know all of them, but we're a family. And so even though you don't know the names, some of you, of all these people, in fact, I'm sure that everybody in the room doesn't know everybody I'm going to pray for. We can still do it as a family because the folks that know them and love about them are in the room or are online with us, and everybody on this list is known by somebody in this room. So let me pray for these folks and a couple of other things, and then we will continue with our singing and our worship. Gracious God, we want to be transformed people. We want to connect in ways that really are true and real and authentic with you. And we want to connect with each other in ways that are helpful and encouraging and supportive. We want to be people who are, have great relationships. And then you know what else we want to do, God? We want to go do that in the community. That's our mission, to help other people experience you. And we're going to do that by loving them well the same way you have loved us. We pause now to think about people who are in a particular need, people wrestling with cancer. So we think of Jamie Atkinson and, and Hank, and we think of Jerry, and those, those three men all they have their own version of a blood bone marrow cancer. And so we pray for them. And we pray for Ben Powell, father of Sarah McDonald, who was diagnosed earlier this summer with pancreatic cancer. We pray for his treatment and for his doctors. We pray for Carol Dollar's stepfather in Lakeland, continuing to struggle with some heart issues and back into the hospital and also we pray for Jackie whose ribbons are behind us and have been since the Sunday morning after her accident just years ago for her family for all of the people there and, and involved in Jackie's life and so we stop gracious God just for a moment and we say quietly to you somebody who's on our heart somebody who's on our mind somebody who we want you to move in whose life you want, we want you to move in We thank you, gracious God, that you are 
so vividly real in our lives. We do that individually as, and we do it together. And that's how you change us. And we want to be your people. And that's why we're here this morning. Thank you that we get to have this celebration. And all of it is under the authority of your son, Jesus, the king of the universe. Amen. Last week, uh, if you were here, Kathy shared that we now have Venmo as an option to give. We have entered into 2022 as a church. That's right. Um, And so I wanted to make you all aware of that. And really, I think if you have never given financially before, or maybe you gave one time like back in 2018, uh, this really could be something for you. And I just wanted to share a little personal testimony for me. So I, uh, if you don't know, I was the student ministry director here at First Pres from 2009 to 2014. And one of my girls who I walked through high school with, her name is Courtney. Uh, Courtney went off to college, her faith exploded, and uh, she got married shortly after college, and then she and her husband, Nick, felt called by God to go into ministry uh, to the, it's called Navigators, it's a ministry to college students, and so they were hired on staff at USF, and she invited me to go to coffee and told me about it, and she asked if we, if Matt and I, would support them financially. Do you want to know the first thing that happened in my heart as a selfish person? I was like, like, man, I'm, I'm going to pray for you, Courtney. I'm going to encourage you, Courtney. But oh, money, like, I don't know why that always happens. And maybe you've experienced that too. But then as I thought about it throughout the day, I realized how quick I am to drop $20 through the drive through at PDQ, how quick I am to drop $40 to Amazon so something could be delivered to me the next day, or how easy it is to see $100 go out the window at Target. And I thought if it's that easy for me to watch that amount of money in a single day just go out of my pocket, why do I kind of cringe when, I, when I've heard somebody to ask me to be generous? And so it was pretty easy for me to realize that, man, this is such a win. A girl that I mentored is now in ministry to college students. Why wouldn't I want to support her financially? And so about four or five years ago, Matt and I started doing that for them every month. And I do get to see the way that it impacts. I follow them on Instagram, and I see these college students who walk through the doors of navigators and come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I get newsletters from them about kids who have grown up in ministry because of them. So here's my pitch to you. Maybe you kind of get that feeling when this moment comes in the service. You're like, ooh, I don't know. But the thing is, you get to watch the kingdom expand when you're generous with your money. You get to walk through these halls and you see kids experience Jesus and you think, I partnered in that. I partnered with Jesus and with the staff here to see lives change. Or when you see kids gather in Luke. Or when you see this room full of people like it is this morning. That's what our money goes to do. It's uh, our ability to partner with Jesus to transform the city of Tampa, and it's way better than a meal at PDQ. So I would invite you uh, to pray about it and maybe think about using Venmo. You can um, do it on the six ways to give. There's also a QR code in the back um, where you can access our Venmo, and we would love it and appreciate it as you partner with us. Thanks.
please be seated. Thursdays because it has always felt like the weekend to me. On Thursday, I'm anticipating Friday, and I'm anticipating Saturday. But then on many, many Sundays, sometime after I've enjoyed the delicious steak dinner that fits grills for me every Sunday night, I'm so excited about dinner. <laughs> it is to perfection, and I'm enjoying every minute of it. But then sometime in the night, not too long after that, I just have this shift that happens inside me, and maybe you do too, where I just start to feel anxious about what's coming, about Monday, and the list of things that are just racing through my mind, and I can't seem to stop it. Well, last Sunday night, it happened again. I mean, I'm enjoying my steak. I'm savoring every bite, and then I just started to feel that shift and that anxiety. Well... I tried a few things. A very delicious dessert didn't help, and it was a huge one. I watched back-to-back -back episodes of Poldark on Netflix. Didn't work. Finally, I read some scripture before I went to sleep, and that worked, except that in the middle of the night, I woke up from this crazy dream, and my mind was just in overdrive. And I was so bummed, and so I looked at my phone to see what time it was. And I picked it up and I went, no. It was 2.38 a.m. You're too far gone. It's nowhere near time to get up. And I'm just dying. But I noticed when I looked at the time that there was this text that had just come in at 2 a.m. from a friend of mine that clearly was dealing with some stuff. So now I'm awkwardly under the covers trying to hide the light from the phone so Fitz and the dog <laughs> won't wake up. So I'm under there doing this, and I'm texting back and forth with my friend, and we start to connect, realizing we're both just minds racing, anxious about the week, stuff on our mind. We just can't go to sleep. So we start to encourage each other. And we start sharing some scripture, and we're kind of laughing via text, and we, we shared just prayers for each other and support. And it was just really, really good. I don't even know how many minutes that went on. But I will tell you, obviously, last Monday started early for me. Very early, at 2.38 a.m. But it also started this conversation with God where I said, you know what, God? I know that this day, Monday, is a gift from you. So is this whole week. But help me to navigate Monday differently than the trajectory that I was on. And that's what we want for you. Isn't that what you want as well? Yeah. Because imagine turning the most dreaded day of the week into a day that is full of impact and purpose. Imagine that, because it's possible. Whether you work in a company, or you work as a student, or you work in your home raising children, you were made for so much more than just surviving the work week. You were made to thrive in it. And God doesn't want us consumed by the anxiety and the pressure we feel about the coming week. So much so that Jesus, knowing this about us, in essence says, watch how I do Monday. Watch how I do Monday and Tuesday and the rest of the week. So picture this. 
Scripture gives us this moment. It's a Thursday night, my favorite. It's a Thursday night, and Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, his closest followers, his best friends. And they're about to have their very last meal together. We often call it the Lord's Supper. Well, in the Gospel of Luke, we're told that a bit of a debate rose up amongst the disciples, semi-argument. And some scholars believe that this debate, this argument rose up because the boy that was supposed to wash their feet didn't show. The kid just didn't show up. So these disciples are sitting in this room looking at each other, and they're thinking, somebody's got to wash feet, and it isn't going to be me. I mean, we're followers of Jesus, one of the most popular rabbis in the land. I'm not washing feet. That's what servants do. And then they broke out into an argument about who's the greatest. That's a great reminder. I'm glad your phone rang because this is such an important moment. They're arguing, who's the greatest? Well, Jesus had warned them about this before. He said, fellas, fellas, stop arguing about who's the greatest. It's a ridiculous argument. Stop. But, of course, they keep going. They keep arguing. And Jesus has spent enough time with them to know that it's going to take much more than words for this to stick. So he moves from words to action. And we find it in John chapter 13, verse 5, where Jesus says this. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the table, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. The disciples' faces had to be priceless because if the disciples aren't going to wash feet, Certainly Jesus shouldn't be washing feet. Here is the creator of all things, the Messiah, the Son of God, preparing to wash the disciples' feet. Their dirty, nasty, unclipped, toenailed feet. And he is going to wash them. Well, I held back verse 1 from you on purpose. Until now, because I want you to hear this. Verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, meaning his disciples and all those he was reaching, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Jesus didn't show the full extent of his love by sending a letter out, by offering a big old bear hug, or sending a quick text. He showed the full extent of his love by becoming a servant. And this phrase, the full extent of his love, it doesn't show up right before Jesus dies on the cross, but it shows up in this moment when Jesus is humbling himself by serving his disciples, clearly it's very important. So much so that he said this a few verses later in verse 15. He said, I have given you an example to follow. So do as I have done to you. Imagine how your workplace would be different and the environment there would change if you viewed yourself as a servant of those with whom you work. If you looked for creative, intentional ways to serve people 
unexpectedly and even in unexpected ways, just like Jesus did. Now, if you are a mom or a dad working by staying at home and raising children, you're probably thinking, I'm already doing that just fine. And yes, you are. But I also get to remind you that your home is a laboratory where your children are watching the way that you treat people that come into your home, your sphere, to work for you. The ones who deliver things to your doorstep. The people that come and do repairs on your home. The folks that clean your house or work in your yard. Your children are watching as you choose to treat them with respect and care, serving them by looking them in the eyes, calling them by their name, offering them cold water, asking about their families. Because your children are observing that you are serving people that no one serves. If you're in high school, especially if you're an upperclassman like you are, Ashlyn, your friends, your peers are watching you when you choose to serve underclassmen. Who does that? No one. It's supposed to be the other way around, right? Oh, but when you are going out of your way to serve an underclassman, a freshman especially, that you don't even know, they're watching. They see it happening. If you're a colleague of many people in your company, people are watching you. When you decide to step out of your lane, out of your job description, even out of your department, and serve in ways that are so unexpected, people notice that. Why is she doing that? That's not even her job. That's, she's not even in the right department. She doesn't even know the person. When you serve in ways like this, you are demonstrating that your work matters to God because the people you work with matter to God. Now, we all know that there have been countless numbers of reports in the news about air travel and especially about belligerent, out-of-control passengers, right? Well, recently, yet again, there was a trip, and it was on American Airlines. And on this flight, there was, yet again, a belligerent, out-of-control passenger just losing it. Rude to everybody, especially rude to the flight attendant. But there happened to be a minister on board. So this got reported through a ministry magazine that I read. And this minister said he was watching this flight attendant just offer care and grace and kindness. This flight attendant wasn't meeting the belligerence and the rudeness with equal measure of rudeness and anger. But this flight attendant instead was coming forward with just this loving, calming, patient nature. Well, this belligerent passenger finally calmed down. I mean, it was unbelievable as this minister observed all of this. So at the end of the flight, he sought out the flight attendant because he wanted to tell her, hey, look, you, what you did was remarkable. I've never seen anything like it. Usually it's the police greeting the person at the door and off they get carted. But you calmed this person down, and I would love to write a letter commending you to the powers that be at American Airlines. Like, you know, who do I write? And the flight attendant said, well, I don't work for American Airlines. He said, I mean, you're dressed like you work for American Airlines. <laughs> and she said, I, I work for Jesus. What if that's how you saw your work? I know you have bosses, supervisors, people over you. Maybe they are owners, and they're over you. 
But what if you understood that your primary job was that you were working for Jesus? Oh, imagine how God could work through you and in you as a result. And maybe you're thinking, Kathy, naive little Kathy, you, you, you don't know what it's like at my place of work. If I started talking like that, oh gosh, I would get fired at the very least, if not shunned for sure. Well, I'm not asking you to stand up in the middle of your workplace and start preaching Jesus to everybody. I'm not. If you do that, I'd like to see a video of that happening, how that works out for you. What I'm asking you is to be Jesus in the workplace. Because what would it look like for you to partner with God on Monday, very intentionally, to look for an opportunity to serve someone who's least expecting it, perhaps in some unexpected way. Because when Jesus got on his knees and started washing the feet of his disciples, in that moment, feet needed to be washed. He wasn't just demonstrating a very important biblical point to go down through the ages. He was. But you know what else? He was also responding to an opportunity to serve that God put right in front of him. A lot of us have had bosses, maybe you do now, that, or maybe you're one that says, we value employees around here that go the extra mile. Well, I want you to know that Jesus said it first. And it can be found in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Jesus is saying, be ready to go another mile. Be ready, because in Jesus' culture, a Roman soldier could require you to carry his stuff, to carry his bag a mile. And the roads back then were such that there were these mile markers, these posts that marked the miles. So you knew that once you got to the post, having carried the bag of stuff that was required of you at that post, you hit the mile, you could now hand over the bag and go back home. Well, of course you carried it begrudgingly, probably not talking very much, but then you realize this is, this is so frustrating, I don't even know what to think, and it's just bringing you down, bringing your heart down, and what Jesus is saying here is that when you get to that post, keep going, keep going, go an extra mile, don't stop at the post, so in a way, Jesus is painting a picture for us that when the Roman soldier comes up to you and says, I'm going to require you to carry my bag for a mile, you surprise him. And you say, you know what? I'd be delighted to carry that bag for you. And you take the bag and you start walking the mile. But then you get to the mile post and the soldier then says, you can now hand me the bag. I'm, I'll take it from you. And you say, no, no, let's go, let's go another mile. Because in that mile, as you're walking, instead of being frustrated, you have an opportunity. And maybe you started a conversation where you said, hey, how's your day been? Do you enjoy being a soldier? Tell me about your family. Because it's in that second mile that your voice has power. And when you serve people like that where you work, they get a glimpse of Jesus. I got a glimpse of Jesus by watching 
my boss, Charlie Scott. He was in charge of Young Life in all of Florida, and I think he had the longest tenure of any regional director in Florida. He was larger than life to me. Young Life is a ministry that reaches teenagers, shares with them about Jesus, help them grow in their faith. And so I watched Charlie year after year at our Young Life camp in the Ocala National Forest called Southwind serve teenagers every day, very silently, by picking up trash off the ground and raking the dirt down by the basketball court, making the dirt look beautiful with patterns. He was the boss. This was second-mile behavior. But Charlie really wanted teenagers to feel like honored guests, especially those teenagers coming from poor urban areas around the state. Oh, he wanted them to feel like honored guests so that they would experience the loving hospitality of Jesus and get a glimpse of what Jesus was like. Well, it was this kind of behavior that changed the world. Not only Jesus' miracles, but it was because first century Christians, so many of them, served like that. Served in ways that were so second mile, so are you kidding me? So what is up with you? So unusual that the world started to notice. And the world started to connect the dots between the way they were watching these people serve and the fact that they were followers of Jesus. So they could see very clearly that something was going on as they watched. Well, we know that if you are someone who you're not sure about Jesus, you're just not, you are welcome here. But I want you to do something. I want you to look at the people in your workplace who are followers of Jesus, and I want you to watch how they serve. Because I think that you will be inspired by what you see. And I think it will make you want to look more carefully at Jesus himself. As you watch people that get it, that their work matters because the people they work for matter to God. And so we know that Jesus then gave us, as a result, the golden rule of work. When he said, do to others as I have done to you. But in Luke chapter 6, he said it this way. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And how about the more famous way that's known around the world, even amongst those who aren't followers of Jesus, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. You hear parents say this to their children. M many of them don't even realize that Jesus is the one that said it. Well, this is what the golden rule of work looks like. Work unto others as you would have them work unto you. Boss unto others as you would have them boss unto you. Manage unto others as you would have them manage unto you. Sell unto others as you would have them sell unto you. Barista unto others. <laughs> as you would have them barista unto you, and then fill in the blank. What is it that you do that you would do to others as you would have them do to you? What is it? Because when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, he was showing us, this is how I do Monday and Tuesday and every day, for that matter. So serving the people where you work, will ignite in you a sense of purpose and joy 
and passion and you will have impact and you will thrive on Monday, tomorrow, and every day this week. So let's do this. I mean, Jesus said, do to others as I have done to you. So the ushers are going to come from the back of the room, and they're going to bring buckets of water and towels for every row so you can go ahead and take your shoes off. I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that because it's gross. And we're, we're not going to do that because most of you got here in a car today. You didn't walk miles and miles on a dirt road wearing sandals. But the truth remains that Jesus is calling us to do what he did, to humble ourselves and to look for ways, very intentionally, starting on Monday, to look for the person that we can choose to serve that might not be expecting it, certainly might not be expecting how you're offering to serve. And I want to give you the opportunity right now in the silence of this moment to close your eyes as I pray and lead you through an opportunity to have this important conversation with God commanded by Jesus. Jesus, as we sit here with you, we have a visual, and that visual is of you on bended knee, washing very dirty feet. Then you surprised us, and you said, I want you to do this too. Oh, Lord, there is no job too low. Would you give us a vision? For someone where we work, where we can serve them, someone that we can humble ourselves and offer to serve and love them with your love. Lord, who is it? Bring someone to our mind in this moment. Take a moment to pray for this person right now and the opportunity to serve them. Amen. Friends, educators get this. They are the community servants that we are going to honor this morning. So if you are an educator, you're a coach, you're a teacher, you're an administrator, you're a mentor to students, please come forward because we want to have the opportunity to pray for you and we want to have the opportunity to give you a small gift. So come quickly, quickly, there you come. And I'm going to ask you to please, oh, I love it. Are we not blessed with all of these educators? Thank you, God. What I'd like to ask you to do now is I'm going to invite you to save your, say your name and where you serve, how you serve, if you would do that. And I'll hold the mic. Hi, I'm Luann Tolbert. I volunteer at Plant High School, mentoring students, particularly student-athletes. I'm Ellie, and I do private tutoring for kids with learning difficulties. I'm Jessica Earhart. I am the inclusion resource teacher at Palmatia Presbyterian Preschool. Speak up even though I have a mic on you. I'm Shelby Tuttle and I work at St. Mary's in development. I'm Karen Heinberg. I'm a school counselor at Mabry Elementary. I'm Alicia Rohrbeck and I teach at Mitchell Elementary. I'm Sonia Hans and I also teach at Mitchell Elementary. I'm Sue Pop from the Branch Academy. I'm Kathy Hill and I teach at second grade at Mitchell Elementary. I'm Brittany McRae and I teach kindergarten at St. Mary's. I'm 
Matt Murphy, and I do technology and music at St. Mary's. Janet Carroll, second grade, St. John's Episcopal. I'm Elizabeth Christa. I'm a trustee at Tampa Prep and Academy Prep of Tampa. I'm Lincoln Tamayo, and I serve the children of the Academy Prep Centers of Lakeland, Tampa, and St. Petersburg. Founder. <laughs> I'm Mary Ashley Edwards, and I'm a fourth grade teacher at St. Mary's. Hi, I'm Tara Ellsbury, and I teach at Bayshore Christian. I'm Cindy Pierce, and I homeschool. Amen. Are we not grateful to God for these men and women? So now what I would like to invite us to do is you can from your chairs or you can come forward, but I want you to reach your hands towards these men and women. It's a form of offering your support, your encouragement. It's what they did in the early church. It was a sign of I support you, I'm praying for you as I lead us in a prayer. Heavenly Father, our hearts are so full of gratitude as we consider these outstanding, exquisite examples of what you've asked all of us to do. These are treasured community servants. And oh, are we thankful. We ask that you would gird them up, strengthen them, continue to give them vision and passion and impact in the lives of children and teenagers and the adults that they serve. Lord, our hearts are so full of gratitude. Thank you for these amazing models to us of what you've said all along to do to others as I have done to you. Our hearts are full of gratitude. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, do not leave. We have a very small gift for you. Uh, they are flare pens. It says, thank you for bringing the flare to our students. And on the back side is the prayer that Kathy Hill shared with us on Facebook that she prays over her students. And perhaps you can pray that prayer as well. Please remain seated for our brief meeting. Thank you all, and you all may be seated as we segue right into meeting time. If you are able to stay, we'd love you to do that, and because uh, we, I need a pay raise bad. How about Kathy? She crushed it, huh? We are going to start in about seven minutes. Oh, goodness. Sorry. <laughs> Told everybody to stay. <laughs> 